It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From offensive line expectations to extension candidates, we take your questions in this edition of the Locked On Bengals Mailbag. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we're the Lockdown Bengals podcast, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube, so hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, and join the large group of Bengals fans that makes Lockdown Bengals their first podcast listen every day. Today we dive into another edition of the offseason mailbag James and we're going to get started with a question about the offensive line and we've got questions like I said ranging from offensive line expectations to linebacker extensions to Joe Burrow performance and whether we should expect to see more play action and rollouts and we'll cover all of that and more in this episode of the mailbag but we will get started with Akilah the Great's question, Akilah the Great on Twitter wants to know what realistic expectations are for the Bengals' revamped offensive line in 2022. Well, it's simple. I expect them to be the best offensive. No, um, I can't say that, right? They're not going to be the best offensive line in the NFL. Well, maybe, you know, Jackson Carmen plays like, he, you know, he's at Fairfield High School, then, you know, there's a shot, right? If he does what he did in high school. But that being said, no, I, I expect them to be improved and i'm not going to put a number on it but here's how i'll categorize it i don't want to be talking about the bengals offensive line during every single one of our thursday night or depending on when you listen friday morning preview shows i don't want when we do our keys to victory jake to be like yeah well if they can keep joe burrow upright and get some push in short yardage situations in post game shows i don't want to be talking about yeah well burrow if he just had another half second and I'm not going to talk about any specific instances, but one specific one comes to mind uh, as I say that. And so that's the part to me. Can it not be a thorn in Zach Taylor's side or in Joe Burrow's knee or in Joe Mixon's ear, right? Because that's what it is, is this offense has been handicapped and was handicapped last year is as explosive as they were. They were so damn inconsistent. And it was because they got their ass kicked in their trenches much more than they want. That's that's the bottom line. Like if the Bengals, they they were 10 and 7, right? And they finished 13 and 8 if you count the postseason. The offensive line out of those, what, 21 games, they were probably 4 and 17. I mean, very few times did they win. Now, did Burrow make them look better? Did the uh, offense uh, overcome it? Things like that. Absolutely. But to me, can they be an average to slightly above average unit? I think so. And I think that, and it's a reasonable expectation with honestly, zero 
expectations for the left guard spot. Because even if Cordell Volson has a great camp and he's in there and he wins the job and he beats out Jackson Carmen, you think I'm excited and, and I feel great about a kid from North Dakota State going from there to the big leagues that quickly? Ah, that's kind of scary, starting job. And Jackson Carmen, well, until he shows me something, I can't expect much from him. And so even with left guard in my brain being a zero, I still expect them to be a, a slightly above average offensive line, and they better not be a thorn in the side of this offense. Because if so, um, that would be a failure, I think, for this unit as a whole. It would be a failure of the offseason where they spent dramatic resources to make this unit better. They go out and spend money on three different offensive line veterans, which is not something that this team has done. It's something they've been stubborn about. They wanted to rely on their development. They wanted to rely on the draft capital they spent, and they still are to some degree. We've talked about this at left guard. You talked about it with not even having expectations for the left guard spot. But I do have expectations for Jonah Williams to take a step. I think that having a normal offseason for him going into the year he's going into, coming into his own, coming into his prime, having the experience that he has, I do expect Jonah Williams to be better, and I think he's already good. I do worry a little bit about him playing beside Jackson Carmen at left guard instead of Quentin Spain, with whom I thought he had pretty good chemistry at times or for most of the year, especially in pass protection last year. But there is potentially a higher upside for the running game there. Ted Karras replacing Trey, Hen- Trey Hopkins. Sorry, Trey Hendrickson's still on the team. Trey Hopkins at center <laughs> will be an interesting one to watch. I think Trey Hopkins actually played well at times late in the year, but had a rocky start to the season. And it's impossible to exonerate your center entirely when you have the number of communication breakdowns that this team did. Hopefully, Ted Karras and his veteran presence his leadership his ability to identify and and trey hopkins by all accounts was an extremely smart player at center but hopefully ted karras can smooth some of those things over next to his running mate and alex kappa who was the first of the bengals announced investments in free agency and if you don't expect that the guard position will be better with a guy like alex kappa who has taken strides Every year, again, coming from a small school like Cordell Volson, James, who you mentioned earlier, who if you have zero expectations for Jackson Carmen, by the way, I have even fewer expectations for Cordell Volson this year. But the the key should be the, the, the collection of parts added. You have solid veteran additions in Karras and Kappa and a really, really good player in Lael Collins at right tackle, assuming he stays healthy. And so assuming health, that's a big question for every unit in the NFL at all times. But for the starting five, you feel great about the tackles. I personally feel really good about Jonah Williams taking a step. We'll see if I look foolish about this in 12 months or not. Lyle Collins, again, if, if he can stay healthy, represents the best right tackle the Bengals have had in quite a while. Even though I think Riley Reef was a solid player, Lyle Collins should simply be better. And so with an influx of veterans and a hopeful step from Jonah Williams, I agree with you, James. This shouldn't be something we're talking about after every game and saying, if not for the offensive line, if not for the offensive line, Mm -hmm. if Joe Burrow wasn't running for his life, if Joe Burrow didn't have to put the team on his shoulders, because I think that there's also going to be increased productivity in the running game, because especially with Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins, this running game should be better equipped to perform as well. So I do have high expectations for this offensive line. I think it should at least be a top 10 offensive line in the league unless there are crazy injury issues. But the starters they've added, if if this team knows how to coach offensive line, 
and knows how to call plays in such a way that it doesn't expose them needlessly, then this should be a top 10 offensive line, in my opinion, in 2022. Joey Cool 1717 on Twitter asks, with an improved offensive line, Joe Burrow's increased mobility and 20.8 miles per hour speed, and I added the speed part, do you anticipate more play action and rollouts called? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I wonder how much of the Bengals' issues with rollouts like boots last year. It seemed like every time Joe Burrows turned his eyes back to the line of scrimmage, he was getting sacked immediately as he came out of his rollout. Um, It'll be interesting to see how much of the play calling there was a product of Joe Burrows' knee and his increased or decreased comfort as he dealt with that knee throughout the year. He also had a few MCL injuries that he played through. And, and of course, the offensive line got worse as the year went on. But it did seem like, especially after the first four weeks of the season, there was a lot more play action, a lot more scrambling, a lot more boots from Joe Burrow. And this is something that uh, Mina Kimes had for me on scrambles and scramble rollouts. There were four dropbacks for Joe Burrow where he, he attempted passes on scrambles or rollouts from weeks one to four of the season. From weeks six to 16, up to 24. So two and a half per game from one a game and that trend continued throughout the playoffs. Now, will there be more of that because the offensive line, I don't know if that would be the reason I would point to primarily. It could help, but I think the primary reason we could see more of this is if Joe Burrow becomes more comfortable with it, because I don't think it was just the offensive line. I think it was also that Joe Burrow wasn't terribly comfortable turning his back to the line of scrimmage last year. Yeah. And and I think part of that has to do in one, it's just experience doing it, right? Hasn't done it a ton. And the second part is when you know your offensive line, and Burroughs never said this, but let's be honest now, his offensive line was awful, right? And so when you know that, when you know you're going to have to diagnose and you're not going to have a lot of time, I wouldn't want to turn my back either. And so uh, especially with that increased running game, like you mentioned, that right side, I I, saliv- I, I know Joe, uh, Joe Mixon salivating at the idea of running behind Kappa and, and Collins. It's uh, it, it, the, you know, the the path forward is there, and it's going to be really interesting to see how Zach Taylor's offense changes. Up next, we'll stick with offense, and we'll go to the tight end position and answer more of your questions. But first, a word from RockAuto.com. Look, there are so many different car makers, car models, and whether you drive a Daewoo like me, you drive the new Ford Bronco, or anything in between, like. Well, Jake Lisko's Mercedes-Benz. RockAuto.com has the filters you need, has the car parts you need. And whether it's everyday maintenance, like me where I replace my cabin air filter on my own, I don't pay Earl to do it at the dealership, uh, at the Daewoo dealership, of course. And and you shouldn't either because you can save a ton of money at RockAuto.com. Don't spend 30, 50, even 100% more on quality parts that you're going to get at RockAuto.com. They've been in the business for more than two decades I use them. You should too. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Buck? So they know we sent you amazing prices, awesome selection, all the parts you could ever need, even for your day. Woo rockauto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season, look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, I know you love the offense and I know you want to stick with the offense, but we'll come back to that tight end question in just a minute because our next question, I'm I'm calling an audible, comes from Joey Franchise. If you could only extend one player at the linebacker position between Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. Which one would you pick? And keep in mind, I know Jermaine Pratt predates Logan Wilson, but these guys are essentially the same age. So just keep that in mind when you're making this choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could keep it in mind all I want. Um, But using my offensive cap, and you're right, um, went out of order there. We will get to tight ends, though, I promise. My offensive mind, you know, the the receiver in me, the running back in me, the tight end in me, the Cooper Cup in me, doesn't want to see Logan Wilson out there because he put the clamps down. This dude put the clamps down in the biggest moment, and uh, we know that. And that's the thing is, to me, it's obvious Logan's a better player than Jermaine Pratt. I, I think more responsibility, yeah, same age. Um, but in his second season, flashed a ton. You see the ball skills, the former safety, the way he moves, everything like that, the way he grinds, all of that. Like, I think Logan Wilson is one of those building blocks. Um, Do I think he's, you know, Jesse Bates necessarily? No, but when you look at that room, it's like, oh, well, Bates last year, what did he feel like? He felt like a building block, and we'll see if he actually ends up being one, but checks a lot of those boxes. To me, Logan Wilson checks a lot of those boxes and that's nothing against Pratt and I'm not against keeping Pratt, but if you tell me 57 or 55, I'm going with double nickel Logan Wilson, 55 all day long. And, and it is worth noting, not eligible for an extension until next off season. He's still got two years left on his rookie deal. Yeah. So that's another complicating factor, right? If, especially if you're a big Jermaine Pratt fan, you can get that deal done and know it's done, or you might have to let him walk if you want to get something done with Logan Wilson or let, or at least let Jermaine Pratt play. Well, I guess he's playing in a contract year this year. We'll see how Jermaine Pratt plays in his contract year. But Logan Wilson, I think is still the answer here. Played safety back in high school to your point, James, and uh, was a multi-position player who was really good. Played linebacker then at Wyoming before coming to the NFL. And the thing that impresses me most about Logan Wilson is the stretch of play he had after coming back from that shoulder injury for the playoffs and for playing through it. Hell playing through that injury. Right. And playing phenomenal football in that stretch, including that iconic play that will live in infamy forever for Bengals fans in which he did not hold Cooper cup, but was called for holding on a third down and goal, Uh, which, you know, we, we don't need to get into too much other than to say it was a great play from Logan Wilson, who had a generally fantastic playoff run and should continue to get better because as is the case for Jermaine Pratt, who has also taken strides from season to season. It's just a position where it takes a little bit of time for guys to get their legs under him. And I know when the Bengals drafted Logan Wilson, because he came into the league a little bit older, he's only a couple months younger than Jermaine Pratt. I know I said they're virtually the same age. He's like a month and a half younger than Jermaine Pratt. He, he came into the league older. And so when they drafted him, I said, this guy's going to have to hit the ground running. And he did. A little bit later than I wanted in his second season, he, he's was where he really took off. But I think he did take off to the point where he can be a long-term linebacking piece for your team, especially with the way the NFL is going, James. He moves well enough to be a modern NFL linebacker and a complete 
modern NFL linebacker at that. And with his instincts developing as they would for any young player at the position, he should only get better with time. So uh, while I like Jermaine Pratt and you would have to get that done earlier, because like I said, he is in a contract year that will force the Bengals hand to some degree. And you can easily make an argument for both these guys. If you had to pick one, I think Logan Wilson is just a better player, but it wouldn't, it would be something that I think would behoove the Bengals to also extend Jermaine Pratt because as has been pointed out, I believe by like PFF underscore Andrew, a noted Bengals fan who works for PFF on Twitter, uh, keeping your own guys that are role players is also important. And Jermaine Pratt would fit that category, not necessarily one of your best players, but a good player who you need players like that. And if you don't have them backfilled and maybe they do, maybe the Bengals keep a pipeline of other linebackers coming into play on rookie deals alongside Logan Wilson. But if you don't, then keeping your good players is important too. Yeah, and, and that's that's a really interesting dynamic because what if Akeem Davis Gaither takes a step this year in your Pratt and you decide not to take an extension now? Well, that that could be troubling if Akeem Davis Gaither emerges more and Pratt, who knows what happens and he bets on himself. So there there is a dynamic there. I, who knows if there's going to be contract talks, but I, I think there could be. But will Jermaine Pratt want to sign now versus – have another year where he, you know, he plays well, or he maybe even better takes another step and then can test the market. So that is uh, always the the dynamic there. Next question comes from Roop C on Twitter. Christopher Roop, tight end depth is a concern after Hayden Hurst. Do you see the Bengals addressing the position anymore this offseason? I don't think that I do. I know we kind of lit the candle for Rob Gronkowski. Oh. who is for now officially retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if he comes back to play with Tom Brady late in the season or not. He, he but, will. He'll play against the Bengals. It'll be his first game back. will be against the Bengals in Tampa in December. Uh, Go ahead. Right. But I, I don't think so. If you look at the way they treated the position last year, it looked essentially the same as it does this year. They had some undrafted guys. They had Uzama. They had Drew Sample. Now they have Hurst instead of Uzama. Everything else is essentially the same. They don't have any long-term pieces. So that would have been a difference going into the offseason when they wanted to extend CJ Uzama and settled for a one-year deal on Hayden Hurst as a quick pivot after Uzama chose the Jets. But now is not the time to find long-term options, at least not as your primary choice. You don't go sign a tight end in June or July and say, this is going to be our tight end for the next three years, you sign a tight end in June or July if you're going to have him for one year. And I think the Bengals have plenty of those guys. So mm-hmm. I don't personally see it as likely. Is it concerning? I would say only moderately so. I, I know CJ Uzama was pretty healthy last year, and he, he did miss a little bit of time uh, against Kansas City, of course, when he got hurt before he came back for the Super Bowl. But the Bengals offense, and I know Uzama had big plays for them last year, doesn't necessarily need a high-level tight end to function at a high level, especially with a better offensive line, especially with Chris Evans, especially with the improvements that you're expecting in the running game. With how good their receivers are, I just don't think they see it as necessary, and I also can understand why because of the way they run their offense. James, do you think that I'm way off here? Do you think a tight end is is in the cards? No, I think they're confident in Drew Sample. and. You know, you, me, and everybody else can can talk about that and talk about where he was drafted. The Bengals don't look at it that way, right? They they view him as a reliable guy who's going to block when he needs to block, and they can 
throw him the ball at times. They did last year. I don't. Why would that change this year? And, and obviously, they, I think they view Hayden Hurst, me talking, not them, as an upgrade in a lot of areas, not necessarily as a blocker or as a uh, rah-rah guy, right, that's going to break down the Bengals after every win like yeah. C.J. Uzama did. But he's more dynamic, all right? He was a first-rounder for a reason. He's a better athlete. Just is, you know, he's a he's a more natural pass catcher, and so I think the Bengals are really confident in, in their tight end room. And uh, you know, I, I know YouTube and, and our listeners they're gonna get it, um, g- gonna get a kick out of this one. It's officially Thad Moss season, baby. Thad Moss season. Talk to Thad during OTAs. He's feeling good. Body's feeling fresh. He's got the report from Burrow. You better believe it is Thad Moss season. Won't be shocked at all if he wins that third tight end job. And the other guy, Mitch Wilcox, is really, really good as a pass catcher as well. So that's going to be a battle. Bottom line, though, I think they feel really good about the tight end room overall. Especially for the way they run their offense. Coming up next, we get into a couple more questions to wrap up the mailbag, including a what's more likely. We'll wrap up the mailbag coming up next. It might be Thad Moss season right now, but it's Bet Online season every day. See what I did there? Bet Online is a one stop shop for all of your betting needs, sports info, and the NFL season. You hear that, Jake? Tick, tick, tick. It's inching closer. And training camp less than a month away, which means you've got to get to Bet Online right now. Sign up for free today and Get ready to wager. And it doesn't just have to be on NFL. Oh, no, baby, no. I made a bunch of money on the NBA. You have NBA future bets. If you think the Clippers are going to win the NBA Finals, you can wager on that. If you think the Celtics, since we got so many Bengals Celtics fans on this pod, you can wager on the Celtics to win in 2023. Or maybe it's UFC, Major League Baseball, anything and everything. You can wager in one spot. Bet online where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, I'm going to throw a wrench into Rob Hill's question. He asked, at Logan Never Held on Twitter, by the way. Speaking of Logan Wilson not holding. It's a nice little Twitter name that that Rob has taken in protest of that call. He wants to know what's more likely next season. 30 sacks from Bengals edge rushers, 10 interceptions by Bengals safeties, or less than 40 sacks taken by Joe Burrow. And I'm going to assume the regular season here. I'm going to throw one in. I'm going to throw in 10 catches for Thaddeus Moss. Oh! (laughs) See, here's why I like this. Because you said, oh, this mother bleeper thinks it's Thad Moss season. We're going to make him put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't, when I was doing that bet online, read call bet online and get an over-under on receptions to see if I would actually wager. That's busy a, signal. I tried. Yeah, yeah, busy signal. Um, Thad, you the man. I, spoiler. I ain't going with no that that Moss ten catches. We ain't doing, we ain't doing that. Maybe preseason. We ain't we 
<laughs> we ain't doing that one. But uh, of these, man, this is uh, this is tough. So 10 picks from the safeties. Jesse Bates, up until last year, had three interceptions per year. You know, that was kind of where he's at. So let's just say he has a career year. Let's say he has five. You think the rest of the safeties, and I'll include Dax Hill in this, are going to get another five? Maybe. I mean, that's t- that's interesting. The the edge rusher thing, well, let's pencil in Trey Hendrickson for what? 12 sacks? Let's say he comes down just a little bit. Sam Hubbard has eight cleanup sacks. Do the rest of the ends, you know, get another 10? Joseph Osai, I'm not sleeping on him. Don't worry. Maybe. And then the 40 sacks on Burrow. So, who? that's what? Two, two, uh, two sacks, two and a third sacks a game, essentially. Um or less burrows okay with taking sacks some so this is where i kind of pause right i mean i think in in a perfect world he would have enough locking where he's like all right if someone's not open i'm just gonna hold this ball forever and i'll run this way and i'll run that way and i'm gonna wait until someone's open and and so he's gonna be willing to take some sacks of the three and I'll, i'll just rank them i think that uh we started with the offensive line. I'm going to put pressure on these bad boys. Yeah, I'm going to start with that. Burrow, 40 sacks. Even though some of those sacks he's going to take on his own, I think it's going to be under 40. I really do because I think this offense is just going to be really damn good. I think they're going to avoid the seven, eight sack weeks. There might be a, a couple three to four sack weeks. There's also going to be weeks where he barely gets touched and doesn't get sacked at all. And, and so that'll be part of it. The second one, I like the edge rushers, man. I do. And then the, the safeties, 10 interceptions from the safeties. That's uh, that to me. I know it sounds like that's uh, not, not a lot. 10 interceptions. It sounds scary to me. I don't know if they get there. Yeah. I think that 10 picks from the safeties is prohibitively unlikely. If this number was eight or even seven, then it might be wow. more likely. It's just look at us. We didn't talk about this question either, ladies and gentlemen. So the fact that we at least agreed on the, the least likely one, it's pretty good. Well, I think I agree. I, 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 well, what was your least likely or most likely? Sorry, I put the the burrow, the burrow, burrow sacks, sacks most likely, and Thad Moss below safeties. You think Thad Moss is having oh. more or less more or less catches than the safeties have? In well, the only reason that happens, yeah, is is if someone gets injured. You know, you're yeah. banking on an injury. Right. I, I I don't need to bank on an injury with the yeah. other ones. So, what yeah. what about what wasn't there like wasn't that Moss prime for his breakout game in the pre in the pregame when he got hurt? They had a big plan for him that game. Then he got hurt in the pregame, and then we never got to see it. Darren Simmons had a big plan uh-huh. for him that game. <laughs> why, why are you trying to get me in trouble, man? I like that. Uh, Look at you. You're trying to get me in trouble. Sometimes sometimes I get to have some fun. Uh, I think 40 sacks <laughs> or fewer on Joe Burrow is probably the most likely here. He didn't play a game in, in week 18 against the Browns. He had 51 regular season sacks last year. With set with 17 games, if Burrow plays all of them, you could definitely see 42, 43, maybe mid-40s. You could even see 50 again, depending on how the season goes. But you would hope that it's not 50 regular season sacks again with the number of games in which Joe Burrow took five sacks. One, two, three, four, five games in the regular season when Joe Burrow took five or more sacks, including six sacks against the Chargers. In week 13, those should not happen as frequently. And especially because the pass rushing gauntlet the Bengals face is not as intimidating from what I recall yeah. 
in 2022 as it was in 2021. They still played the Browns and Miles Garrett twice, and one of those five sacks games was against the Browns and Miles Garrett. They still play Pittsburgh, and they have TJ Watt, and they have Larry Ogunjobi now, but the Bengals protected pretty well against Pittsburgh, and one of Joe Burrow's zero-sack games, in fact, his only zero-sack game of 2021 came against the Steelers, but TJ Watt wasn't playing in that game. All that being said, I, I do think... 40 sacks or fewer is the most likely of these 30 sacks from the edge rushers is the second most likely because of Joseph size. So I think we're in lockstep here. I I liked your numbers for Hubbard and Hendrickson too. I think Hendrickson 13 sacks, 12 sacks or so. That's a reasonable expectation. He's done it for two years in a row. Now, Sam Hubbard seems to be a guy that's going to be around eight sacks, seven sacks a year. And, and I just think those numbers are pretty solid. So what's Joseph Osai and does he get enough time and does he take away you know, and, and so I do have some concerns about the pass rush. I think there it goes like 40 sacks, gap, 30 sacks, gap, 10 picks. I don't think that it's very close between those things because after the 40 sacks thing, which I could see happening, I don't see the 30 sacks or 10 picks being tremendously doable. There's just so Got much it. that goes into them. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. And, uh, it's wild. It's wild that we're agreeing right now, but I, I will certainly take it. Last question. Hank Nizzle, James would like to know, this is for you and you alone. Oh. What is the oh. over-under on the amount of times James posts the cold Ben baby pick during the season? <laughs> Poor Ben, man. Two days in a row. Cold, cold baby. Cold baby. Man, it's cold up in here. It's, it, well, here, here's the – how late are the Bengals playing? That's the part. This is actually – Indirectly, Hank just asked how deep we think the Bengals are going to go into the playoffs. Because I get it, the indoor thing, and everyone's talking about the indoor, fussing about the indoor. If the Bengals are going to Foxborough, right, guess what? You know, late in the year, they're practicing outside. If the Bengals are playing in a dome, well, then they'll practice inside. Or if they're going to a warm climate like they did, they'll want to practice inside. But if they're going to play outside and they're going to play with – Guess what? You know, if they have to go to Cleveland for the AFC title game, which would be a really weird scenario, but you get my point, then guess what? They're going to be practicing outside, and that means that Ben Baby's going to be outside, and that means we're talking about cold baby all day, and we might have to update the cold baby picture. Um, It's going to be a lot, honestly, and I love Ben. You you mentioned, uh, you know, when we were talking, we got to get Ben on because I I went after him a little bit, calling him slow, and I agree. Uh, with myself from the other day, it's I, I I don't take it I don't take it back. Slow, cold baby, um, but he can handle the heat okay, so he'll be all right for camp. We'll have to get him on before camp, though. Looking at the schedule, like you could actually probably figure out which weeks this is likely to happen. And after when it, when November hits, when it starts to get cold, I really only see one game on the schedule where the the bubble is going to be tremendously helpful and that's at tampa december 18th because the rest of the games at pittsburgh in november at tennessee in november hosting kansas city hosting cleveland at new england in late december and hosting buffalo in january hosting baltimore also in january those are all going to be cold weather games so there's plenty of opportunity for the cold weather ben baby to come out cold baby cold baby i love it so um over under, I don't know the over under. Seven, um, I would seven. I'd probably hammer the over. Let's be twelve, because it could it could be like three three in one day. Okay, depending on what what goes yeah. on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> 
Not in reply tweets. How about that? Like just a parent oh. level tweet. I'd I'd put the over under then at like three and a half, right? There you Four go. Four and a half. All right. It's it's a reply tweet. It's a meme. As many reply tweet memes are Ben Baby's cold baby tweet shall live on. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We appreciate all of you that sent in mailbag questions. Be on the lookout for our next one. We tweet out a solicitation for questions from at Lockdown Bengals. It'll either be next Tuesday or next Wednesday if we do another one next week. So keep your eyes peeled there. Also, next time we get together, we're going to be breaking down the top players for the Cincinnati Bengals in a draft format. Sometime after that, in the near future, we'll be looking around the AFC North as we continue the offseason grind. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. If you need a little bit more, go check out James Rapine and the rest of the Lockdown NFL crew on Lockdown NFL. We appreciate you listening. Hooday, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.